last week, they all said to me, we're really looking forward to hearing Vince. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> but uh, I decided, nah, nah, I'm, I'm still going to hog the mic. Uh, <laughs> um, we've just uh, recently, um, or Janet and I have recently been on holidays to visit uh, Vincent in Hungary, and uh, we had a great time there. Uh, I think we might even have some slides. We're not going to actually bore you with slideshows, but the, if we throw on the next slide, there you go. There, there we are. Vince is living in Budapest, so we went and, and, uh, and visited Vince there. And, uh, and we did have a, a, a great time there. We, uh, we went around, uh, and on the next slide, I think that's probably saw the sights. Um, I'm not going to tell you what they are because I can't remember. Uh, and, uh, and also, we, we made lots of new friends. Now, it isn't true that Janet and I only went over there because the Harley-Davidson Festival was on their, their 120th anniversary. It just so happened to coincide with, with visiting Vince. And, uh, and so at the, at the festival, uh, we were pretty excited. We, we, we met uh, these blokes that are, uh, were a Christian witness in the place uh, and very much uh, in contact with the culture. And, uh, and we also found some Aussies there. It's really funny when you're looking around the place, everyone's got back patches on that are saying Poland, Romania, UK, all these European places, and then you'll see someone with Australia. And, uh, and so we swelled the number from five Aussies to seven, didn't we, dear? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was good running into them. And, and the other photo is um, uh, Vince is in that one, but we actually attended Vincent's church uh, without him. And uh, look, it's amazing just saying, hi, we're Vincent's parents, how they had just opened doors, everyone wanted to know us, and, uh, and we had a great time. Because during all this, Vince was busy with the show. Now, I also feel I've got to just give you a little bit of background on Vince before I, I let him tell you what he's up to. Uh, but um, we... Um, we lost. Well, I guess we really started losing Vince when he, in gap year, he, he, he went to he went to the states on on uh, on a mission there, working at a, uh, a at a camp uh, as a camp counselor or something. Not camp counselor, anyway. At, at a camp, yeah, correct. Met all these international people, and um, and ended up having an interest in a in in a one particular person in Hungary, and there'd been a few trips back and forth to Hungary, and uh, and. Pressures with COVID um, sort of ended the relationship. But Vince had gone over there to see if it could be saved. Wasn't to be. But then he stayed there. <laughs> and Vince, I think we need an explanation. I, I, <laughs> why didn't you come home to your loving parents? Was it something your mum said? <laughs> You no, tell us. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I can give some more information. So I think there's another slide after this, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you said, I went over to Hungary, um, not really knowing what to expect. Um, but I went over there, um, actually, that, that picture down the bottom there with um, one other guy, his name's Seamus. So he was my friend, he was helping me through this very difficult and strange time. And he pretty much committed to coming to Hungary as well. Um, which kind of comforted me. And I think we were only planning like, let's just, we'll go over there, we'll travel for maybe two months, we'll go snowboarding, et cetera, et cetera. 
And yeah, as we just stayed there, we just kept on loving it more. And we're like, ah, oh, we could stay six months. Uh, let's say a year. <laughs> and so it kind of worked out like that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a big uh, reason that we stayed a bit longer. So Just a long holiday. A bit, <laughs> a bit closer with Seamus than you guys, I suppose. <laughs> um, but no, other things that I'd um, yeah, kind of got involved with um, over in Hungary. So I mean, on the left side um, here, you can just see a lot of people, a lot of faces, but these are friends that we made over there. So, I mean, you could probably think of a country and name it, and there's probably somebody in that picture from that country. So it's just such a diverse group of people. Like, obviously, I've never been a part of an international context before, um, especially student age, but these are all people... Most, most of these guys here are doing a semester in Hungary or doing a whole degree in Hungary. People from Africa, South America, um, even other European countries. So it was really cool to um, hear from them. And then Dad mentioned earlier, but up the top right there is the um, church that I attend, Danube International Church. Um, so yeah, it's one of, I think there might be like five main English-speaking churches in the city. Um, so yeah, there's probably like 200, 300 people there, but um, yeah, when I first went over, I remember talking to some friends, um, saying like, oh, please pray for me, like, I don't know, uh, like the church I'm going to go to, like, I don't know how that's going to be, et cetera, et cetera. And just from the first week going there, I don't know, I felt very, very welcomed. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like, I, I, it reminds me, um, like, Paul speaks of like one spirit, like being in one spirit. And I really felt that because I feel that in my church, I feel that here, we have the one spirit. I feel that in my church in the Gold Coast where I'm living, I feel that. And I felt that same spirit um, even when I went straight over there. So um, I've just gotten more and more involved there. Yeah. Now, you've, um, you've been getting a little bit religious there, but uh, what about work, mate? Because mum and dad can't support you. We don't, we don't make enough. What, what have you been doing to stay alive? <laughs> I think that might be in two slides. Oh, sorry. But uh, no, jumped. well, uh, yeah, that's that's all I was going to add as part of the um, church I was over there. I got involved in the student ministry. But let's let's keep with the slides. So, you, so yeah, you've got yeah, the yeah. Up about ministry. Well, so that's that was the only thing I was going to add was um, yeah, I'm involved with these two student university student groups. Um, so the one on the left is our church one and the one on the right is kind of just a student it's called student connect budapest um so it pretty much is just reaching so many students over there and creating a student community that like i just i've made so many friends through both of them i've seen two people that i know become friends through that um and it's just yeah it's really creating quite a community for a lot of um international students that are feeling all in the same boat that is like we're in a foreign country no one speaks this ridiculous language, Hungarian. <laughs> Sorry if you're Hungarian. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really cool being a part of that. Just to let you know, if you're not familiar, um, Hungarian is quite a unique language. Uh, when we were looking at it, uh, there was a language tree that showed that how, how most of the languages had, had a common root. And uh, then there was a little shrub on the side that had Hungarian and Finnish off it. Uh, so, so it is a difficult language to learn. And yeah, completely you, you, separate. You <laughs> haven't learned very much? Oh, look, I can, read a, I can read a restaurant menu, probably, pretty confidently. <laughs> the, the important <laughs> Lots of food, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and so, yeah. And, and work. 
yeah, li- to 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 get by living. So, I I studied a um, bachelor of business in Griffith University while I was here from 2018 to 2021, and I majored in sports management and event management. So, um, if you go to the next slide, I got yeah, I got hired by this sport marketing company or um, event management company. Completely Hungarian, they gave me a little interview and then they said, yeah, start in two days. Um, So I did this internship all of 2022. um, And while I was there, we picked up this uh, deal with Harley Davidson, essentially, the European Harley Davidson branch to organize their massive 120th anniversary festival. Um, And so, yeah, it was a pretty, wasn't expecting that really cool role um such a big brand and especially dad's quite a harley guy mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah and it involved traveling quite a lot last year basically getting sent around um a lot of europe to motorcycle events to promote our event um in budapest um so yeah i'm yeah. pretty traveled and, and now it's pretty cool <laughs> and also one of your early jobs was um uh contacting uh, bands to perform do you want to just drop a couple of names of, of maybe 70s acts that you had to contact? You want some credit here, don't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I did contact Dad at one point to say, what kind of bands would be at a Harley Davidson event? And um, he gave me a few and I, I sent, out, sent out messages and such. Yeah. Um, some girl called Susie. <laughs> Susie Quattro, yes. <laughs> uh, she was yeah. too expensive for us. <laughs> It, it, for me, it's, uh, it's sort of like, here's my son living my dream. <laughs> uh, so, so I was quite envious. Uh, yeah, I don't I, think I've ever ridden a Harley Davidson. So. <laughs> but we, we did rectify that, didn't we? We did, we did. <laughs> yeah, when, when Vince was over, he's sort of saying, I'm, I'm doing all this. Uh, because they were sending you around um, Europe to bike shows, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was quite incredible. I mean, twice to... Twice to Spain, went to Scotland, went to Poland, went to all through Germany, like yeah, Italy. It's it was and some a lot of it was alone. Sometimes like they'd send me alone for just a weekend. Um, I'd have to go to the event, pass out stuff, um, all through Austria. Or other other times we'd drive from Budapest with our vans packed through Germany and all the way back, or all the way to France or something like that. Um, which were some pretty tedious long road trips, but like I just 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 a few weeks ago, I did an 18-hour trip from Budapest to past Paris to Le Mans um, and back. So, but yeah, no, it's it's invaluable experience. So, so we did try to give uh, Vince some Harley credibility. I, 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 we we grabbed out a photo of him sitting on the Harley when he was a baby in nappies. So he could he could show everyone I've been on a Harley, and uh, and when he visited at Christmas time, we we found a nice quiet bit of country road with no traffic, and uh, and you, you had a bit of a ride there. So at least it gets yeah I've ridden a Harley, no yeah. worries. So <laughs> that all works well. Yeah yeah. So I mean for the pictures up there, that was our big kind of indoor section, pretty pretty cool. Lots lots of custom bike show and stuff like that. That's me and Mum up the top there, and this is my girlfriend who came to visit and. She tried to, um, she's definitely not a Harley person or even a heavy metal person, but she had a Metallica t-shirt, so she tried to fit the part. <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. all about appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's basically me, what I've done in um, Hungary. 
Um, and yeah, so mum and dad came to visit, but I think they got tired of me pretty quickly and went traveling themselves <laughs> without me. Kind of. It, it, uh, what, what Vince hasn't told you is that uh, doing this work, he seemed to be working all the time. So we were staying at his place. We, 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 uh, he, he, he gave up his, his bed for us to sleep in while he was on a mat on the floor. And, uh, and Vince was coming home leading up to this, probably 10 o'clock or later at night, saying, hi, how was your day? Anyway, got to go to bed now. And, uh, and then we'd hear the door shut at 6 o'clock in the morning and he'd be, he'd be off at work. So, so he, you know, we, we appreciate that you're very busy then. And then, of course, the end of the show doesn't mean the end of the work. There was all the clean-up. So Janet and I, we thought, well, let's, let's take off and uh, have a little bit of a look around. And uh, I think our next slide... Um, we're not going to show you everything, but, but we decided to um, look at Croatia and Slovenia. Um, we did a, a trip across Europe to visit friends in Romania, oh, sorry, across Hungary to visit uh, uh, friends in Romania. So we, we, we filled in a couple of, uh, couple of well, 10 days, I think, before coming back. So, oops, back to one, we've gone too far. So, yeah, so the pics there. You're at the Mediterranean, you have to go in. Now, can I tell you where we went? Pebbly, terrible on the feet, cold in the water. <laughs> uh, but we didn't really complain because I think that was high 30s uh, and, uh, and we, we wouldn't recommend going in summer. Most of, the, most of our time over there was in the 40s. And, uh, and we found caves was a great place to to find relief from the heat. And uh, if we move on to the next story, uh, the, the next slide, because this is, this is a castle in a cave. I mean, you can't get much better than that. And, um, uh, and there's a story that I, I want to share with you about this cave, and, and, it, and it involves taunting. And when I heard this story, I've got to confess, the, my, my thoughts went straight back to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Now, I know some of you may recall King Arthur coming up to the castle and telling about his, his quest that he's on and the French guard up there just starts abusing him, really. I, I jotted down a, a, a little bit of it. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. Hilarious stuff. This bloke, the baron of this castle, was like this French guard. This, this baron was, was known as the robber baron. This is around 1000 AD. And he, he had this thing where he would go out and he'd rob from the other kingdoms and take it all back to his, his little castle in the cave. And uh, anyway, the, the kings, as you can imagine, weren't real keen about this. And I think, I think it was a king who was down in Trieste in, in northern Italy there, he sends his army off and they come up this green here and, and they're, they're firing stuff at the wall, thick walls, wouldn't give and so the next thing an army tries to do then if, if they can't beat their way in is they try to starve them out and uh, what they didn't realise was this cave, well caves usually have water running down so there was plenty of fresh water but the cave went further back and led to 
neighbouring valleys. And so the people in the neighbouring valleys were sending meat and fresh produce and they just had this constant line of food. Now, where this is, um, sure, when we were there it was in the high 30s, but they get snow in this area. So if you can imagine that grass is covered with snow, here's the army trying to starve them out. And what does this scallywag of a baron do? He sends out a wagon loaded with meat and fresh produce for the army that, he, that are trying to over, uh, overtake him. <laughs> what a taunt is that? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and apparently it's reported that the invading army was thinking, well, this, th there's got to be some magic involved in this. And, uh, and I just love that story. Uh, but it made me think, too, of another story that I read in, in the Bible, in Scripture, and it goes back to um, King David. When King David has been made the, he, the king of, of all of Israel, he decides he's going to take Jerusalem. Jerusalem is still occupied by the Jebusites. And Jerusalem, a bit like this place, is hard to break into. And the Jebusites taunted David. And I think uh, I've got a Bible passage coming up. So they're up there and they say to David, you will not get in here, even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They're saying, we're so confident in this, we don't even need our army. We, we, can, we can have the blind and lame people, they can just keep you away. And how does David respond? He says, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind. So underneath... Jerusalem, there's a network of caves. There's, in caves, there's water. It seems there were shafts going down in the water. The funny thing is, when you think about uh, David when he was being, with his men being chased by Saul, where were they hiding? In caves. These guys were experienced with caves. You, you, you just forget this, you read over this passage, but what David is saying to his men, go in the caves, let's see if we can't find a way to get behind their defences. And they won the city for David and it became known as the city of David. Just love that story. Uh, and, and that was, besides Monty Python, that was the other thing that... Uh, that uh, pajama, the castle was called Pajama Castle. I like to call it Pajama Castle. So much easier to remember. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just really enjoyed uh, that story. I think in the next slide, because the heat stayed up and we kept on going to... Oops, one after that, there. We went to another place. This is just in Hungary. Um, Hungary's got this big lake called Lake Bled. And uh, Topolka. Balaton. Balaton. Lake Bled Balaton. Is Slovenia. <laughs> yes, wrong lake. Thank you, Vince. Uh, but what we, what we loved about this cave at Topolka is that it's in the middle of the city. And you're thinking, what, what, where, where's the cave? But you go into the, the tourist or the cave information centre and there's a stairway going down and this cave is directly under the city, much like I was describing for the image of Jerusalem. And what we loved about this cave, it gave us a different experience because no stalagmites or stalactites, it's, it's just that water had washed uh, all the rock away. But there's, there's a, a river going through there and uh, we got to hop in little boats and paddle around in a cave. What an experience. 
We loved it. I, th I think with all our caves, we, one, one was so large, we had a, there's a train running through it. Uh, another one was so cavernous, it just reminded me of Lord of the Rings. Uh, and, and this one, we got to paddle a boat. So I think after that, um, we ended up, uh, oh, I mean, there's lots of stories, but we're going to leave it at that. We ended up back in uh, Budapest for a few days, and then Vince joined us. And That's we right. headed off to Greece and Turkey. Um, and uh, what's on the next? What's on the next slide? What's yeah? We, we need this. Oh, okay, great. And here's here's where I want to ask you: What was the highlights for you from from that? Because we're going to the, the the biblical sites, weren't we, in those places? That's right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we were pretty much following Cassandra Wilson and everything that she did, I think, as, yes. as, as I was... <laughs> in the footsteps of Cassie, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't want to go too in-depth because I'm sure you've all spoken to her already. Um, but, yeah, for me, I mean, yeah, they, they allowed me to come travel with them again. Um, that was very nice of them. But, uh, yeah, no, so we, we did a very um, historical kind of tour of, 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 of Greece and Turkey, um, which I was very excited for since kind of going over to Europe many, many years ago. I mean, I had no, I had no appreciation for history at all. Um, and this was very exciting to, for me because I have started to have a bit more of an appreciation. Um, and especially, yeah, going to these places um, that are mentioned in the Bible, it really kind of brought it to life for me. Um, so... I mean, I'll mention just these three photos that I have here. So, um, the, and I'll try to keep it chronological to where Paul went in the Bible. Um, but down the bottom right here is um, in uh, Athens. So in the background there is the Acropolis. And this rocky outcrop thing next to the Acropolis is called the Areopagus. You can correct me if I said that incorrect. If you're, I, I, I say Areopagus, but... Are, Areopagus. I think knows. we looked this up last night. <laughs> we, we, we didn't, didn't know. Um, and it's mentioned, yeah, up the top there I've put in Acts 17, 16 to 33. So Paul has entered Athens. He's, he's, he's tried preaching. It's kind of getting shut down. They have lots of statues of many, many gods of, of, of Greek um, mythology all over the city. Um, and he's invited by philosophers and deep thinkers um, of Athens to basically say, hey, we want to hear what you're talking about. Um, and so he gives a speech um, on that kind of place where I'm standing there. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, he, he, he uses, he refers to their unknown God, and he's like, I have this God that you're, you're, you're trying to follow, and this is what it is. Um, and I also really like that Paul uses uh, Greek, like famous Greek poets that everyone would have known about, and he uses it in his thing, like, your, your poets say this, well, this is what I think, so... Mm. I thought it was cool, and there was all yeah. sorts of reactions to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the amazing thing was, so that's, this is from Acts 17, is uh, whilst um, Paul was disturbed by all the idolatry, when he goes and talks to, to, to these blokes, he doesn't have a go at them about it. He, he says things like, I see you're deeply religious, uh, and, but just picks out, and you also recognise that there's a God you don't know, and then, and then continues that conversation. As far as the site was concerned, what amazed me was that it was just a, a, a rocky outcrop. It, it wasn't some big hall or, or proper meeting place. It was really casual. They, they just went there just outside. The city's in view. It's only a short walk there. 
um, but they're outside the city and they just met there to have these deep conversations. That's right, yeah. So, um, and there was, yeah, he had all sorts of reactions to his, his um, sermon. Some sneered at him, some wanted to hear more from him, and some, some actually believed, um, as mentioned in, in, in Acts 17. So you can check that out um, to do it. But yeah, I mean, we sat down on the rock there and, and read it, and that was just, it was just a really cool experience um, doing that. So the other two pictures are in Corinth. So we went to first, but Paul went to after Athens. Um, and so this is, this, these kind of spots are mentioned in Acts 18. Um, and so the one on the left there, in that blue singlet where I am, where I'm standing there was called the Bema of Corinth. Um, and it was part of ancient Corinth, or in that time Corinth, uh, kind of part of their main forum area. So this was kind of like a raised platform over the, over the forum where they would pretty much have public talking or public disputes would be um, spoken of there. And so that specific spot, that Bema, um, is mentioned also um, t- as where the Jewish population of Corinth took Paul to the Roman proconsul or the leader of the area to say, you need to do something about this. He's trying to convert us in this way that's not following the law. And where Gallio, the Roman person who has nothing to do with Jewish law, says, this is not my problem, this is your problem, and d- did nothing about it. But it was just, it was just really interesting... Um, being in that spot where all of that happened. <laughs> yep. And then, oh well, yeah, if you want to say any more no, about I don't that. Want to say but then lastly, um, that one on the top right there is the ruins of the port of Kenkre, which is also then mentioned um, as the spot where Paul left Corinth to start heading towards Ephesus. And so it was a bit of a drive, actually, to get from Corinth to there. So I can't imagine 2,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there were, there were the ruins. Um, and that was also cool reading the Bible there and, and just being like, we're physically at this spot. We went for swimming around there. Sea urchins are plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. It, it sounds funny, but it, it, this was a hot day. So it was really nice to jump into the water and think, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming in history <laughs> and sea urchins. Not so keen on the yeah. sea urchins. What's your feet? But, uh, <laughs> but we, we, we survived that. And so, yeah. yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. What's the next slide? Oh, yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, another, yeah, so I kind of mentioned earlier um, in like the Greek culture, I mean, it's a, it, was a, it was a pagan following, so they had many, um, many gods of different things that they followed. Um, and, I mean, so this is Romans. So, I mean, the Romans just took the Greek myths and made it their own. Um, but specifically here was in Ephesus so we visited ancient Ephesus and I'm sure you've heard so that we're in Turkey now yeah I'm sure you know about Ephesus from the Bible um, but yeah what this was so I'm I, I'm standing there next to this old statue of an emperor called Domitian who was um, around from 81 to 96 um, AD um, which yeah would have been the time where the Ephesians had their letter already um, yep. Yep. and uh, John would have been writing Revelation. <laughs> a, a lot, a lot of people would say persecution that, that, of Christians. John wrote in the time of Domitian. That's right. Uh, in response to his yeah persecutions of the church. Yeah, yep. and so I mean the really interesting thing I learned there was um, so the deifying of emperors in that time. So not only did um, they push kind of following um, the the gods, but actually the current living emperor that was in Rome 
was then um, treated as a god under his rule. And um, the, the really interesting thing for me here was cities were chosen throughout the Roman Empire. And if you were a chosen, like if you were a city that was chosen, so Ephesus, for example, was chosen, you were allowed to build a temple to the emperor and have have services or whatever there and cult meetings there. So it was a great honor to and be it was, yeah. chosen as a city to have. It was all about honor. And yeah. so like Ephesus was chosen over other, all these other major cities so they could hold that over these other major cities within the empire. Um, and so, yeah, they, they would build a temple. They would put the physical, a massive statue. I think that statue was like eight meters, nine meters tall. Massive statue of the current living emperor. Um, at that place, and they would they would have um, whatever happened there, and I, then I also read that Domitian died, obviously, um, a god dying, <laughs> and uh, they just replaced it with the next emperor, and we're allowed to keep that place of prestige as this city that has this um, this thing. So it was just yeah. what was really fun. interesting is is uh, as we went around the place, you know, there was there was lots of marble carvings of the gods, but also the emperors, and. Uh, uh, sometimes the emperors didn't last that long, you know, they got knocked off pretty quickly. And so a lot of these statues had demountable heads. So, so you could keep the body and you could just change the, the head uh, of the statue. And, uh, but, but also what it meant is when you go and see these sites, there's a lot of bodies without heads because the heads were really easy to souvenir too. Uh, you could just take it off and walk away with it. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder, like, the people of Ephesus, mm. were they more proud of having the prestige of being able to have the temple to worship the emperor, or if they really thought about him being a god? Yep. I don't know. Yep. The, um, again, having this, for me, seeing this history and understanding it, like, before going over, I knew about Domitian, but uh, I didn't know this stuff about the honour that was tied in with a with a, a city being allowed to have their temple. And so it, when that's been allowed, what they want to do is they want to protect it. It's, it's like when you have a, we have our tidy town awards. You know, the whole town has to be on board to make the town tidy so it can get the award. So you'd have a place like Ephesus. We've got, we've got the, uh, the temple to the emperor these Christians, they're not playing along. They're, so they, they actually had their priests and that that would try to bring other people into order and acknowledge the emperor as a god. When you have that bit of information and you read Revelation, it gives you a, a, a fresh insights to the persecution that was happening, that uh, the, the gods call for, for endurance. It, it just gives you a, a deeper understanding, even of who the beasts are. Uh, in Revelation. So, yeah, it was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, so, so um, speaking of gods of Rome, do you have a favourite that, that, we, that we visited? It feels kind of wrong to say you had a favourite. Um, uh, so, An interesting one. Uh, d did I have a favourite mythological god? Yes, I do, Vince. I think, uh, I think on the next slide... Uh, now, this... This was a model, you'd quite often see the, the, the temples or whatever, that they'd have a, have a roof like this, and there used to be these sculptures that would have all the gods in there. And, and this was the, the apex of one of those sculptures. And we have, uh, this is from Athens, so we have uh, 
Athena and Poseidon. And they're fighting it out to claim Athens as their own. Who wants to guess who won? Athena, good guess. <laughs> it's why it's not called Poseidon in here. Um, anyway, so when you look at the Greek gods, it's, it's amazing how their behaviour is based on bad human behaviour. Because the, the Greek and the Roman gods, which, which are pretty much the same, just given different names, they're all about either claiming power or, or pursuing pleasure. And that seemed to be all they're on about. Um, so when you say the, the favourite god, my one was Hades. Now, it might seem an odd choice, and I think we might have a picture of Hades there, a bit washed out, but anyway. My, I, I got three reasons, three or four reasons, uh, why I thought um, Hades was pretty, pretty good. Um, firstly, is that the, this, this temple, or this uh, uh, place, was called the, uh, the Gateway to Hades, and uh, you may not be able to see it, but down the bottom, there's an archway. So, it, it, it leads into a cave. So when, they, when this was first discovered, there was only the cave there. And what they found out is if you went into the cave, you didn't come out. See, this is at a place called uh, Pamukkale. And, uh, and, 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 whoa, good landing. I'd give that an eight. Um, Pamukkale is a geothermal area. I should have had a slide. You may remember it. It's got, it's got all this white limestone pools there. And uh, the, you know, and they're and they're warm, but in this cave, the water bubbled up into into it, and it contains carbon dioxide. And so inside the cave, it's eighty percent carbon dioxide. Now, just to give you an idea, our the air we breathe is point zero four percent carbon dioxide. So you'd go in there, you wouldn't really smell anything, but you would soon suffocate. And so I, I, I like this because someone was creative and said, hey, wouldn't this be a great place to put an altar for the, the god of the underworld? Uh, so they've got it on top. And apparently one of their party tricks was they'd, uh, they'd throw an animal tied to a leash into the cave and pull it out. And then their priests would, be, would go into the cave and come out alive. Their trick was either they held their breath really well or they found the high spots in the cave because carbon dioxide sinks, it's heavier than air, and they'd, they'd be able to get a gasp of oxygen. Uh, so so you, you realise that there's a lot of theatrics involved in, uh, in worshipping the gods. So that was one of the reasons. I just like that creativity. But also, have a, have a look at his pets. I don't know if it comes up on his screen, but Hades has pet snakes. He's on his throne. He's got two pet snakes next to him. Everyone wants pet snakes. How, and, and, then, and then even if you're not a snake person, everyone loves dogs. Who wouldn't want a three-headed dog? I think we call him Cerebus. Yeah, or any, any Harry Potter fans? There's a three-headed dog in that. This bloke had cool pets. And probably the reason he had cool pets, and another reason I like him, is that he himself was a bit of an underdog or an undergod. You see... His older brother was Zeus. And when Zeus knocked off his parents and freed his brothers, 
He gave, he, he claimed the air. He was the God of the air. He gave the sea to his next brother, Poseidon, God of the sea. That sounds pretty cool. To his youngest brother, he said, oh, you're God of the underworld. Not poor old Hades no wonder he had pets uh, but, but I, I you know, always like to go for the underdog um, and the final thing I should mention well, very definitely should mention is that knowing about Hades really enriches the way that I understand the underworld and, and what Jesus has done in the Bible because see Hades king of the underworld uh, God of the underworld doesn't have a lot of friends although he does eventually get to meet everyone and he decides he, he lets people in but he also keeps them in there he is the the God that decides if people can come or go you don't leave there unless Hades gives you permission and Hades doesn't give permission so keep in mind that's the belief that you have grown up with that you have believed all your life and m mind you Hades isn't just New Testament Hades goes right back in Greek mythology right back to uh, now what's the place we went Mycenae yeah, yeah we, I don't know we went to a it. place Mycenae uh, that was built around the time of the patriarchs Mycenae existed when Moses was leaving leading the people out of Egypt that's that's how long the these Greek gods and, and, and Hades goes back to. Even though that's, it's a different part of the world, you know, they've got this long history. So people really were, um, with all the gods, it had been really built into their belief system. It was, it was part of their everyday life. I think that's what, what struck me walking around these places because, you, you know, you think, oh, well, we, we have gods, we have other religions, but this really permeated all of society and knowing that and reading the bible with through through that sort of lens things really jump out out to you so i think i've got one passage from uh from psalms coming up and and this is david in prayer to god if i ascend to the heavens you are there well duh that sounds obvious if i make my bed in sheol another word for hades you are there so God is not restricted from these places. He's in these places. And the next one is, is probably one of my favourite passages uh, in the New Testament. Uh, he, 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 that's Jesus, laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Now, just imagine you're a person who believes that, sorry, the underworld got known as Hades, but there's also the God Hades. Just imagine you're a person that believes Hades is real, everyone dies, they go to the underworld, they never return, and you've got someone proclaiming this. Wow. And it really interests me that they don't bother trying to discredit Hades or anything like that. They're just sort of saying, believe what you want, but the truth is, God and Jesus as God have the real power. Believe what you want, but the, this is where you need to put your faith. 
And it, it, it gives you a new way of reading scripture. And I'm realizing that I need to learn more about Greek mythology and the culture of the time to get a better understanding of my Bible. Um, now, I. Do I have. Throw up the next slide for me, please. Ah. This, <laughs> this sort of draws it all together. We, um, we had one day where we, we planned to spend in a national park because of fire risks that closed down the park and we found ourselves in a, in a village be, behind Ephesus. And this is in a shop window. I've got to apologise for the reflections. You can, you can see me there. But in the shop window, there was all these metal sculptures and they were basically metal sculptures of, of all the gods with their fantastic feats. One's got a dragon, a mythical creature by the throat, Atlas is there holding up the world, and so on and so forth. And in the midst of that, you can see clearly, is the crucified Lord. In the midst of that. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? That just is so interesting. All these other gods are doing feats that bring them glory, that increase their riches. It, it, it's, it's all about them. They, they, they are, they're fantastic feats. No, no mortal could, could beat these beasts or hold up the world or whatever. But in the end, it's for their benefit. And then in the midst is Jesus Christ sacrificed. And he's not doing it for his glory, he's doing it for us. Isn't that powerful? And you've got this part of the world with all this rich culture that tells that message. It, it was fantastic. It, 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 it was transforming and I, I'm just sorry I didn't get a better picture. <laughs> but, uh, but Vince, over to you, mate. We've, we've, we've done the trip. Oh, I guess you're probably all, all wondering what Vince is doing back here. Um, can I tell this short story? Yeah, yeah. So... so We've travelled around um, Turkey. Um, we're, we're at an airport, Izmir, and we're going on separate flights at different times, both via uh, Istanbul. Didn't see Ist I didn't see. We didn't see Istanbul. We, we were going Istanbul and then off to Korea. This, Vince was ch changing over in Istanbul to go back to Budapest. Um, but uh, anyway, Vince had a, a, a bit of a visa problem. And uh, so we arrive in Istanbul and here's this message. Uh, can you give me a call? Um, looks like I'm coming back to Australia. That was something like that, Something like it? that, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and uh, oh, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, have you got enough money? Oh, about that. <laughs> so anyway, a bit of a bit of a bank transfer, and and uh, and uh, we we realised that uh, God had sent us over there on a rescue mission. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who but, knew? Who knew? Next day, international flights would be so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so but but you're back here now. But what are your plans heading into the future, mate? Yeah, um, so I mean, I think my next slide is a little bit of a background to my kind of Christian journey in a little way. Um, so um, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier when, when I was, what I was doing over in Budapest was 
pretty involved with the student ministry area, uh, international student ministry, um, but just in a like a voluntary role, really. Um, so yeah, my background, I went to Griffith University, um, and yeah, these are just some photos. I went there for like three years or so and was, um, yeah, I think greatly enriched um, by Griffith Christian students, which was the Christian organization there. Um, yeah, over, over those years, many conferences, many Bible studies, as you can see, with people there. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of the background of, of, of being a part of student ministry um, and kind of my enthusiasm for student ministry. Um, what's on the next slide? Yeah, and actually, while I was also in university, we had some um, mission trips once a year um, where I got even kind of more experience with ministry um, not that it was an area of interest for me at all, but I like to go on them and be a part of them. So I think this is in Port Macquarie. Actually, this was in Port Macquarie during those really bad fires, if you remember years ago. Um, and it was just really cool to serve there. there <laughs> top right there. I think that's my first like public speaking at a, at a retirement home. I think half the people there were asleep. <laughs> But, <laughs> but they all survived. <laughs> there was no ambulance visits during the uh, during the service. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've, I've I had these very good experiences, but um, so I, th I guess university student ministry kind of became a bit of a um, I don't know a bit of a passion for me. And even when I first went over to um, Budapest, I've already graduated university. I'm not a university student anymore, and I went straight to the church's university group, and I'm like, I want to be a part of this. Um, so yeah, they, they, they let me um, serve in that way on the leadership team. Um, and so I think the next slide might even be, yeah, I showed you pictures like these earlier, but this is actually this year. Those were from last year. This was like earlier this year in my quick four month visit back. So actually the sizes, like, so even that one on the left there is my church related group. Um, and everybody is probably different from the picture before because people are coming for a semester leaving, coming for a semester leaving. Um, it's really just such an enriching thing being a part of it and just seeing people learning, people growing, people creating um, community in there. Um, so, yeah, I'm part of... These are two separate groups. So the one on the left is um, through the church. So it's, it's Danube Univ uh, University students basically. The one on the right I mentioned earlier is called Student Connect Budapest. And so it's a, it's a student group that we run once every two weeks in a public area of the city, um, or like, like a public building um, that we rent out. And it really is an invitation to, to any students that are yeah, new to the city or something like that, want to connect, want to make friends. Um, and each week, it'll go for like three hours or so, we'll play games, we'll um, eat food, and we'll always have some sort of topical talk um, that, yeah, it's not, it's not an outwardly Christian talk or anything, but it, gets, it, it, it facilitates discussion. Like, uh, we sit around tables just like this, um, and there's, there's periods where we, we talk about a topic. Could be finances, could be tradition, could be anything like that. And, like, I've, I've, just, I've, I've really loved it, and I've seen other students just love it, because a given table could have someone from Brazil, Palestine, Australia, US, Southern USA or something like that. And it's just like the perspectives is just a, a wild amount. And it's just, it's really, really cool hearing from them. So um, I would even say like only 30% of that group is Christian. Um, I'd actually say mostly from a Muslim background, that group. 
Um, and it's just been really cool making friendships with these people um, who are sometimes there for years um, at a time or sometimes only for a semester. Um, and so, yeah, that picture there is specifically from our culture night. We will do a culture night probably once or twice a semester. Um, and that's that one everybody loves because everybody loves talking about their country internationally. I've even found I've gotten more patriotic since I went <laughs> overseas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they're the two groups I was, I've been interested in. But um, I kind of, yeah, I mentioned I've had this ministry background without ever wanting to actually commit to doing ministry. And I just had a, a, a time earlier this year when I was in Australia in about February where I thought, actually, I would really love to um, serve in these groups in a more full-time capacity because while doing these, I was doing the Harley-Davidson event and stuff like that, which was my priority. Um, and so uh, basically opportunities just kept on arising. Um, and so actually on the next slide, I think, has some um, organizations that I'm a part of. It might come eventually. Um, but I spoke to the leadership group um, at at my university and they they were they were really wanted to have me in a more in a larger role um actually yeah next slide um yeah and so um the australian university groups are under a under a banner called or the ones that the one that i was a part of was called afes so australian federation no what is it federation of evangelical students and so then it's under the umbrella of IFES, International Federation. Um, and so through contact, contacts and stuff like that, I, I, uh, connections, I got into contact with IFES and had an interview earlier this year um, with some European um, board and basically got hired to this um, program called Interaction, which allows for like one or two, a one or two year ministry apprenticeship as such um, in a country in, in, in Europe. And so I told them I'm already serving in this capacity in um, Hungary and I'd like to do it into a more legitimate role. And so they've put me in touch with this group on the side here, MECTS, <laughs> which I'm not going to say what that stands for because I think they're all Hungarian words. Um, <laughs> but it's basically the IFES group of Hungary. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm in touch with them at the moment and organizing um, uh, how I can essentially work for them, be mentored by them um, for, well, it'll be one and a half year now due to this unexpected <laughs> trip back to Australia. Um, yeah, mentored and then be able to work um, in this full-time role um, with Danube University students. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a period that aims to teach me a lot um, about ministry to see if it, if it is for me, if it is suited for me. Um, and yeah, and I already had such a passion for it and it's just exciting that, yeah, the Lord has worked in me to want to make that step. Um, yeah, that's all and, I can think of. <laughs> uh, so so that would be a full-time role? That's the aim. Yeah. And, and, and is there a big pay package with that? <laughs> no, yeah, I have to do all of my um, uh, support finding myself, um, which is actually also a blessing. Um, I mean, the circumstance coming back to Australia was not planned, but um, this is where all my support, my home church okay. is, um, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, yeah, th that'll basically be a big priority for me while I'm back in Australia here to um, organize 
um, both prayer and financial support um, to, to go do this. So, um, like, I've had other friends do a two-year apprenticeship in this Griffith University thing. So, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of people that are able to kind of mentor me in even doing that. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Well, keep us posted, and, uh, and we'll, we'll pass on to the church here how, you, how you're progressing and, uh, good. and how we can support you. Yep. Well, that, that's all we had, guys. Look, we, we, we had a, a wonderful time. Um, if you want to talk to us about any, any aspect, uh, we'd, we'd love to talk. Uh, for, you, for those of you that, uh, that know the Lord, um, there was two things that, that, that I got out of it. There was lots of things I got out of it. I guess the, the, the main thing was, was, was just how much our Bible comes to life when we, can, when, when we understand that background. And, uh, and, and I did love that David passage because uh, that whole concept of, you know, in, in mission and that, not bashing your head against the wall, trying to do the same thing and expecting different results. But uh, like David, just thinking outside the box and say how can I get behind the defences I thought that was a pretty good message so yeah thanks for listening and uh, we'll hand back to John thank you thank you Paul thank you Vincent it's uh a great, um, I guess, presentation where it brings the Bible to life, doesn't it? I hope that you've appreciated that uh, as well. Can we just um, draw the, the morning to a close in prayer? Will you join with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you've uh, brought to us today. We thank you for the, the opportunity to be able to hear stories and also to be able to hear how your word comes to life. We just also just want to pray for Vincent at this time as uh, we've heard about what you are planning to do in and through him and we just pray that you will um, provide for him both financially and uh, socially and uh, in the the journey that he's on that you'll open up the the correct doors. So we just commit Vincent to you and just pray that uh, you'll guide him at this time. I just want to pray for all of us here today that as we go from here that you'll continue to lead us and and guide us and that we will be uh, I guess inspired as we move from here through the conversations we've had over the table and from what we've heard today that how much you love us you desire a relationship with us and we commit this to you now in Jesus name. Amen.